A while back, I went to a nursing home in Savannah Specialty, and I was mistaken. As I walked down the hallway, the lady looked at me, and I was dressed in a suit and a tie, and, uh, and she looked at me. She said, what are you doing here? I says, what do you mean, what am I doing here? And she looked at me, and she said, what are you doing here? I said, I don't know what you're talking about, what am I doing here? And she says, well, uh, we don't have anybody dead here. She thought I was the undertaker, you know, and that's the way the world is today. Uh, you know, they're in the nursing home and all they're expecting is somebody to come down the aisle and just pick up one more dead person. You know, there's a lot of dead spiritual people there in that nursing home. There's a lot of people who are still alive, but you know, the world's forgotten them and the world has not reached out to them. But we go in there every week almost and we go in there and minister to those in the nursing homes. And it's amazing to me what those people uh, can do, even in the Alzheimer's home, what they do. It's amazing. You know, life's full of choices. You know, the world always has places to go, people to see, and things to do. But in the scheme of things, are the things that they do, are they really so important in the scheme of things? And what do we do every day? What is important to us? Jesus knew what was important. He always knew what to do. He always did the right thing. And so, I, I just want to give you three little points. Places to go, people to see, things to do. And hopefully I'll try to get through in about ten minutes and we'll be finished here. But you know, Jesus always had places to go. Where did Jesus always go? In John 4, 3 and 4, He said He left Judea and departed to Galilee. But the old King James Version says He must needs go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. Why? He had an appointment with somebody that needed Jesus. He went to where the half-breeds were at. You know, Jesus always went to the places we don't want to go. He went to the slums, to the hospital, to, you know, I guess that was the healing pool back then, where the people were laying around hoping to jump in when the, I guess when they thought the angels stirred the water, but, but, and he went to Samaria, to the half-breeds. You know, it's amazing. We can always get a crowd to go to Mexico or Russia or somewhere. And I, I, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But I just look around me and I look at my backyard and I look at the United States and, and, and the United States has the highest crime rate now in the world. We're even higher than Russia. It's 702 per 100,000 people or 1,000 people. Yes, 100,000 people. But you know, it's amazing to me. We always want to go somewhere else and always want to minister to somebody else. But we got all these people. We can't go down the street to the nursing home. We can't go to jail. We can't go to the prison. And, and I was talking with a pastor one day, and he mentioned, he says, you know, there's such a thing as ego ministry versus sacrificial or servant ministry. Jesus always was a servant, right? You know, the Bible said that, that there's a little saying I read in the uh, Sunshine Society letter, which is a group that reaches out to nursing homes, and he said that uh, there's countless little things going undone in the kingdom of life kingdom of God, but there's many people standing in line to do the mighty things. You know, and, and the question is, is are we standing in line to do the mighty things, and everybody wants to do those things, or are we willing to be out, go and be like Jesus and, and make ourselves of no reputation, and take on the form of a servant, go out and reach to those that really need to be reached? That's what I want to ask today. But there's so many people wanting to stand in line and do those great and mighty things. But what are we going to do? Are we going to be like Jesus? Or we want to be like the world? And then the second thing we want to see is people to see. First of all, we got to look at what a motley crew that the disciples were. They were unlearned. You know, I heard the, heard the scripture yesterday talked about David Jeremiah was talking about uh, Billy Sunday and how he was used so 
mightily of God and, and, and how he was used and D.L. Moody and neither one of them could have got a pulpit in America, you know, if, if their life depended on it. But God chooses the weak things of the world to confound the wise. And it says in Luke 14, 13, but when you get a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed for they cannot repay you. He says, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And then in Matthew 22, 3 and 8, it says that, the, that the, they sent out for his servants but to call those that were invited to the wedding. But those who were invited were not willing to come. But he says that the wedding is ready, but those that were called were not worthy. And, and you know, a lot of times I think we spend a lot of effort on a lot of people that are not willing to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's so many people that are out there hurting, needy, that are that are really wanting to be loved on, that need something in their life, that, that have have uh, wants and needs that we could reach out and minister to. And, and when we reach them, not only would He show them the love of Christ, but then when we show them that love of Christ, then they see that we have something that they want, something they need. But there's a lot of people we minister to. We keep hitting those same old doors, hitting those same old people, but they don't want it. And, it, it, and we're not to cast our pearls before the swine, but we're to go out and reach those that want it. Jesus didn't come to save the righteous, but those that realize that they needed salvation. He went to the downtrodden. He went to the needy, to the prostitutes, to the, to the demon-possessed, those people. You know, I think about uh, there was a guy uh, in the prison that a while back that uh, he he was sitting there and he just kept looking at me and the whole time I was preaching up at Effingham and I was sitting there and you know sometimes it's a, it's a matter of looking at people in the eye and letting them know in these jails and prisons that you're gonna look them in the eye. You don't want to stare them down because you don't want to have a contest, but there's a fine line between staring them down and uh, and and letting them know that you'll look them in the eye and tell them the truth. Well, this guy, he just kept looking at me, looking at me, looking at me. I was like, what in the world is this guy thinking? You know, I can't tell. He's got a kind of this look on his face like, I'm not knowing what he's going to do, you know. Well, he comes walking towards me about most of the way through the message. And I'm going, uh-oh, what's he doing now? And so he, he right in front of me, he's looking at me the whole time. He curves. And I guess he was, I don't know what he's trying to fake me out or what he was trying to do, you know. But he, he kind of cruised on towards the uh, bathroom over there. And headed on in the bathroom, I said, well, I guess I lost that one. He's not going to listen anymore. He's gone. A few minutes later, he came back out. And he went and sat back down. Well, we gave the invitation, asked people to pray to receive Christ, and asked them to come forward and, and uh, if they trusted Christ. And, you know, at the end, this guy, he comes walking up to me, and I didn't know what he was going to do. He comes up to me, and he throws his arms out like this, and he wraps them around me, and he hugs me, and he says, thank you. Thank you. You know, and and he was just wanting somebody to show him that they loved him. Somebody to look him in the eye and tell him the truth about Jesus. And that's what we need to do. But those are the people that are wanting Jesus. You know, the Bible says that our faith, if it's real, will show be shown by we become more loving towards people, the needy, the hurting. You know, James, he talks about, he says, when a man sees somebody and he tells him, he says, he has need, and he says, go thou and be clothed. That doesn't do any good. The man's still cold. He's still hungry. But, but a lot of times there's people out there that need the Lord, people that we're just walking right by every day. 
You know, Jesus, in Matthew 14, 14, He says He was moved with compassion for them and He healed their sick. Jesus, when He saw the sick, the lonely, the hurting, the demonized, those blind people, He always did the same thing. He gave. He gave of His time, His wisdom, His power, and ultimately He gave His life. You know, if we had those Jesus-colored lenses and we could see like Jesus saw, that we would see people for what they really are, see that they have real needs and that they're just not people to walk by every day on the street. But giving to the world, seeing like Jesus means giving to the world. we got to give like Jesus. we got to love like Jesus. And so I, I, I think this theme song for this ministry, I've kind of adopted as Love Lifted Me. Y'all remember the song he says, when nothing else would help, love lifted me. And that's what it takes sometimes. We just keep on loving people, keep on loving people. And then maybe one day they want what we have. Because they see that no matter what they do, no matter who they are, we still love them for who they are. And we are a ministry. We reach out those that the world has forgotten, the world shuns, the world doesn't know that they're there. They just pass them by every single day. You know, I believe we as Christians, this ministry, we as Christians are the last hope to those who have lost hope. We're the last hope to those who have lost hope. And so what are we going to do to those who have lost hope? Last thing I want to say is Jesus always had things to do. In Luke 2.49, He said, I must be about my Father's business. You know, Jesus was always working for God. He was always running around, healing people. He was praying. Unless He needed rest, and, and He'd go off and pray all night. But Jesus was always working. You know, there's only two people in the New Testament that the Bible says that finished their work. You know, Paul says, I finished the race. I fought the good fight. I, I've done what God sent me to do. And Jesus, when He died on the cross, He said, it's finished. He'd done everything God sent Him to do. But what are we doing to reach those that need Jesus Christ? What are we doing? There's so many people out there that need Jesus Christ. We need to get out there in the highways and the byways where Jesus said to go. And He, and he invited those to the wedding feast. And He says, go out to the highways and the byways and, and invite those. Anybody that will come because those that were called are not worthy. And so we need to reach more people for Christ. You know, I really wish sometimes maybe, you know, some of y'all could be in the Bible studies with me and or in the prison and you just see these guys' eyes looking at you. And they're sitting there and they're, and they're desperate. They're hopeless. And they're just looking at you. And you're telling them about Jesus' love and you tell them that He loves them and they can be forgiven. They can be saved no matter what they've done. If they just turn from their sins and turn to Jesus... And they just look at you with such hopelessness, such helplessness, hoping against hope that there is something for them because they're down and out. And, and you know, we've got it. Why aren't we giving it to them? We need to give it to them. I'm willing to go out there and give it to them. I know y'all are willing to help and give and, and go out there too. Maybe not everybody's meant to go out to the jail. Not everybody's meant to go out to the nursing home. But we can help somehow, some way, those people that are hurting. You know, Romans 1.16 says the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. It's the power to transform lives, to make us a new creation. It's the power to make a, a thief an honest man, a drunk quit drinking. 
the drug addict quit doing drugs. And we've got that gospel. We have that gospel. And we just need to go out there and give it to them because, you know, we're just like anybody else. We're just one beggar telling another beggar where to get the bread at. And that's what we need to do. I just want to read one last little illustration here. Y'all remember the book uh, In His Steps by Charles Sheldon. It was written about 1934. And uh, if it was written in 34 and, and it was appropriate for that time, I just I look at this today and I think, my goodness, how, how true it is today. I just want to read this one section off of one of the pages. One of the guys was in there and he they took the pledge to, you know, it was the book about what would Jesus do. And that's where all the what would Jesus do, uh, whatever you want to call it, the little things came from, paraphernalia, whatever you want to call them. I don't know what you call them, but, but that's where all that stuff came from, from this book in his steps. And, and I believe a lot of people are wearing that stuff, but I don't believe a lot of people really know what would Jesus really do? And so I want to read just this one little section and I'll be through. He says, You remember I was one of those who took the pledge to do as Jesus did. I thought at the time, poor fool that I was, that all I had all along been doing the Christian thing. I gave liberally out of my abundance to the church and the charity. I never gave myself to cost myself any suffering. I have been living in a perfect hell of contradictions ever since I took that pledge. My little girl, Diana, you remember, also took the pledge with me. She was asking me a great many questions lately about the poor people and where they live. I was obliged to answer. One of the questions last night touched my sore. Do you own any houses where these poor people live? Are they nice and warm like ours? You know how a child will ask questions like this. I went to bed tormented with what I know now to be the divine hours of conscience. I could not sleep. I seemed to see the judgment day. I was placed before the judge. I was asked to give an account of my deeds done in the body. How many sinful souls had I visited in prison? What had I done with my stewardship? How about those tenements where people froze in the winter and stifled in the summer? Did I give any thought to them except to receive the rentals from them? Where did my suffering come in? Would Jesus have done as I had done and was doing had I broken my pledge? How had I used the money and the culture and the social influence I possessed? Had I used it to bless humanity, to relieve suffering, to bring joy to the distressed and hope to the despondent? I received much. How much had I given? This came to me in awakened vision as distinctly as you see two men and myself now. I was unable to see the end of the vision. I had a confused picture in my mind of the suffering Christ pointing a condemning finger and the rest was shut out by mist and darkness. You know, I've been studying Ephesians lately and, and one of the verses I've been reading and, and it says Ephesians 4.28 Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. I believe the Bible's telling us right there. I'm not speaking to anybody here about stealing, but I'm just saying the Bible says that let him that labors labor working with his hands what is good so that we may give to others who have need. That's why we work. So we can help others, to love others, to care for others. We're to be stewards of what God has given us. What are we doing with God, with what God has given us? You know, our prayer today should be, Father, Break my, please break my heart with the things that break yours.
Father, please break my heart with the things that break yours. You know, as I finish here, I just want to let you know that as part of this ministry where I preach basically, you know, wherever somebody gives an opportunity, the door opens, I go. I'm available for supply preaching. I'm available to go to churches, whatever. Like I said, I've even preached in the RV park a few weeks ago down there at Tybee. And uh, we've got some brochures here. If y'all don't have any, if you want to take some to somebody else or whatever. But that's all I wanted to say tonight. And I just wanted to ask y'all tonight to just be praying about what we've said tonight, what God has said.